Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church. It's a great season, is it not? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, this Sunday we continue in our series on Advent. Advent simply means coming. So we celebrate the coming of the Lord. Last week we began our Advent series looking at a scripture, Psalm 98, that forms the underlying reason for a famous Christmas carol, Joy to the World, penned by Isaac Watts. This morning we go to hymn number two, and this comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 to 17. Please turn there. And the hymn is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. As you turn to Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 to 17, let me remind you of the context of this hymn and of this text. The context is one of hopelessness. As a matter of fact, the title of this sermon this morning is Hope Has Come. Hope Has Come. Why? Because when this text was written, when Isaiah 7 was written, Israel, God's people, Judah, God's king, Ahaz, was in a place of hopelessness. Let me describe it for you before we read the text. I'm going to bring you from 2015 into 733 BC. You ready? Put your seatbelt on. Here we go. So show the map, please. In 733 BC, you have God's, just the map, you have God's people in Judah, the southern part of this map. The kingdom of God... The the kingdom of Israel had been divided, and so the northern ten tribes had rebelled against God, and only God's people in the south, in Judah, with the king Ahaz in Jerusalem, were according to the line of David, God's king. So God had given David a prophecy in 1000 BC that I will bring a king from you, David, who would fulfill all my promises in scripture to rule not just Israel, but the whole world. Now, 300 years later, we have our text in 733 BC, the kingdom has been split. And now you have Ahaz who's ruling from Jerusalem. And the problem is his brothers in the North Israel, or in this text, they're called Ephraim, are making an alliance, a pact with the king of Syria. And so the king of Syria and the king of Israel are trying to attack Jerusalem and they want to destroy Jerusalem. Does it sound familiar that there are enemies in Syria Syria that want to destroy us? Friends, this is an ancient, ancient battle. We're not the first that have gotten into it. We probably won't be the last. God's people will always be attacked by God's enemies. And so Ahaz is sitting in his war room in Jerusalem with his generals, little little Judah, being surrounded by all of these enemies, and he's wondering, now, is God going to be faithful to his promise to bring a king from my descendants, the descendants of David, and am I that king? Well, probably not, Ahaz is thinking, but he may be my son, or my son's son, or my son's son's son, or my son's 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 son. One of them is going to be this promised king who's been going through the pages of scripture to deliver God's people. But will we survive? Because right now the enemies are at the gates. The IEDs are being prepared. The machine guns are being mounted. The tanks, metaphorically speaking, are being gassed up. And here comes the enemies and they're going to wipe us out militarily. Now read with me Isaiah 7, verse 1. You, You there? 
This is exciting. This is chin chilling, spine tingling. This is God's word. This is God's people. This is it, folks. This is history. His story. Isaiah 7, 1. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, these are the bad guys now, the following, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it. But could not yet mount an attack against it when the house of David, that's Ahaz, that's God's people, Jesus is the son of David, Jesus is the king after the line of David, this is now the royal godly lineage. Verse 2, when the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim. Ephraim is another, put the map back up, is another name for Israel. Okay, Ephraim, Israel, same thing. Is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Look at me. Is your heart shaking today like the trees of the forest shake before the wind because of a situation in your life, because of enemies at the gates of your life and your family? Is there fear? Ahaz was afraid. He knew he had God's promises, but he did not have much of an army, and there was a big army gathering at the gate to wipe him out. And his heart shook, like the trees have been shaking recently with all the winds and the rain. Is your heart shaking? Has hope diminished in your life? Is there fear in your life? This text is about hope coming to people who are hopeless because they see no way out of their dilemma. The enemies are at the gates. What are we going to do? Let's keep reading. Verse 3. And the Lord said to Isaiah, I love it. Whenever God wants to speak to his people, he's going to speak through his prophets and today his word. But God now is going to send Isaiah the prophet to speak to King Ahaz. You ready? And he's sending Isaiah to speak to us too this morning. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go, to meet, go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jezup, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. This is just a, a key place in Jerusalem. And say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. He's talking about the two kings that are arrayed against them. Don't, don't let these guys freak you out. And you know what he's saying to him this morning? He's saying to him what God said to us this morning. Uh, Sonia had no idea what I'm preaching. She had no idea that hope was a key here. But God put it on her heart to read the scripture she read in Psalm 146, I believe it was, and to give us a word to say, listen, don't be afraid, have hope. And God's saying the same thing here to Ahaz in 733 BC, and he's saying it to us here in 2015 AD. Don't be afraid. Be calm, be quiet, right? Because I don't know about you, when I have enemies at the gates and I have more month than I have money, you ever had one of those? The month keeps going, but the money stopped about three days ago. (laughs) Or or, or I've I've got problems at home, or I did something really stupid and now I got a bunch of people mad at me. I have that one happen all the time to me. Or even better, I said something really stupid. Or put them together. I do something stupid and say something stupid. And I'm trembling. My heart is shaking like the wind before the, 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 the trees before the wind. And I'm going, how in the world am I going to get out of this? Right? How, how, how's this going to be resolved? That's where Ahaz was. And God says, be still and be quiet. 
and don't faint. Let not your heart be faint because of these two smoldering wicks and these two firebrands because I'm going to deal with them because Syria with Ephraim, remember that is Israel up here. And the son of Ramallah has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah, God's people, and terrify it. Listen, people may be wanting to terrify you today, but don't be terrified. Because the fear of the Lord pushes all that out. We can be forewarned, we can be careful, we can be wise, I got that. But we we should not be terrified. And let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabiel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God. So this is what your enemy said, now listen to what God is saying. Verse 7b, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass for the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is Rezin and within 65 years Ephraim, which is Israel, will be shattered from being a people and the head of Ephraim is Samaria and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. If you are not firm in faith, you shall not be firm at all. Friends, In 722 BC, this kingdom to the right, Assyria, which is not to be confused with Syria, conquered Samaria. You see Samaria right there, right above Israel? And wiped them off the face of the earth and sent them into exile, and they were never heard again as a kingdom. The ten tribes of Israel were wiped out in 722 BC. And Assyria conquered Syria during that time. So God's in charge. And he said, Ahaz, trust me, don't trust man, but. And it's a sad, sad thing. Ahaz did not listen to God. Look at verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be kept as shield or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the tests. All right, let me, let me explain that to you. That's what pastors do, what teachers do. Let me explain the text to you. God came to Ahaz through Isaiah and said, don't worry about these two kings who are arrayed against you. Trust me. And Ahaz said, I don't trust you, God. I am going to pay for protection from the king of Assyria. He emptied the coffers of Israel's wealth, of Judah's wealth, gold from the, from the temple, and he paid the king of Assyria to protect him. He said, look, you and I are going to sign a pact so that if I'm invaded by Samaria and Israel and Syria, you're going to come to my aid, and together we're going to be able to stand against these enemies. And he blew it. He blew it. From that day forward... Every single king of Judah was simply a vassal subject state of whatever kingdom was ruling the world at that time. Assyria did rule the world for quite a while. But Israel or Judah was simply a vassal state. Ahaz was a puppet king. And after him, the next king of Judah was a puppet to the Babylonians because the Babylonians conquered the Assyrians, and in 526 BC, the Babylonians wiped out Jerusalem and destroyed the first temple in Jerusalem, and the king of Judah was just a little puppet in the hands of the Babylonians. And then after the Babylonians, if you know your world history, which all of you do, of course, you know, after them came the the Greeks. And they were just a vassal king of the Greek empire, and just puppets again. And then after them, all the way up to the time of Jesus, who ruled in the time of Jesus? Rome. And King Herod was just but a little puppet king. Wherever the Romans said to do, I do. Whatever they say, he's like a little puppet. Until, until, 
until Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, came. And that's what verse 14 tells us. That's what hope is right here. Look at, read verse 14 with me. Actually, let's go to 12 first. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Basically saying, I'm not going to trust in you, God. And verse 13, and he said, hear then, now Isaiah is speaking, O house of David, house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? And in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of unbelief, in the midst of us wearying God with our sin and our unbelief, because we do it too, in the midst of God, us saying, you know, God, I'm not going to trust you. I'm going to trust in my job. I'm going to trust in these alliances. I'm going to trust in political systems. I'm going to trust in everything but you. In the midst of wearying God, and when God really should be judging us, instead, he gives us hope in verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Listen, Isaiah spoke this with such present certainty that some theologians think that he was actually prophesying of one of the sons of Ahaz. It's called the prophetic present. It's something that's prophesied out in the future, but with such certainty that it feels like it's going to happen tomorrow. It's like the coming of Jesus. But he wasn't speaking of a son of Ahaz that would deliver them. This child born of a virgin that would bring God close to them. Emmanuel, no, no, no. He was speaking of Jesus Christ. He was speaking of Jesus Christ. For Jesus would be that son. Jesus would be that king in the lineage of the sons of David. In the lineage of the Davidic kings who would rule the world. It would be Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. Church, this idea of God being with us is something that that begins at the very foundations of Scripture. Genesis chapter 1 is broken in Genesis chapter 3 because of the fall. And then God says, I will restore my presence with you. And the pages of Scripture, all of these pages, are God's plan of salvation prophesied by Isaiah, prophesied by others. Words given to David that I'll have a king that will come from you that will rule not just Israel, but all the world. And all the way until Jesus is born of a virgin. We believe in the literal virgin birth of Jesus. Virgin here means virgin. And it was fulfilled. And it was fulfilled in Christ. And how can I say that to you? Because turning to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25 on the screen, Matthew writes this of the birth of Jesus. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together... She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, airborne rangers paratrooped into his room. Oh, wait a second, an angel of the Lord. My thought is this angel was a dude. He was in combat gear. He had face paint on. So adjust your angels accordingly, please, on your Christmas trees, okay? You can have the little sissy angel, that's fine. But this dude came to do war. Now listen, 
It is funny, but it's not funny because there's a battle going on. God's people have an enemy that want to wipe them out. You know it, don't you, Jeannie? You see the front lines of it with the abortion issue. And God says, my people will survive, though they're weak, though they're unfaithful, though they don't know their head from a hole in the ground, though they don't understand anything that's going on, though they don't believe me, I'm going to save them. I'm telling you, he sends, he sends dudes to do that, man. <laughs> okay? And what did this angel say? Wait a second, Joseph, don't you divorce her? Joseph, this is the promise that began in Genesis 3. This is the promise to David a thousand years ago. This is the promise that Isaiah spoke of 700 years ago. Here he is. This is the king. So let's go back to the text. It's exciting. We're on the edge of our seat. We're excited. I'm excited. Are you excited? Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, verse 20, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, and not just Israel, but all God's people. And now Matthew quotes Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, excuse me, verse 22, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. (laughs) I like that. He took his wife. Risky deal, by the way, socially. I mean, you want to talk about fearing man? You want to talk about the fear of God, countering the fear of man? Socially, what he did was not acceptable. That was absolutely politically incorrect what he was doing. Big time. But he feared God. And it helped when an airborne ranger angel descends into your room with, you know, camouflage. All right, I'll get off that. When he woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not. So she remained a virgin until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is the scripture upon which O Come, O Come, Emmanuel was written. Does that inform it for you better? Ligonier Ministries commenting on this hymn, this beautiful Christmas carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, says the following on the screen. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. In him, all of the Old Testament types and promises that looked forward to the restoration of God's presence with his people are fulfilled. Yes, they are. Jesus is the Son of God incarnate. The words of the hymn express the hopes of Israel of God's people throughout history, throughout her history, for the fulfillment of Isaiah's promise. We as Christians can now look back to the fulfillment of those promises, the birth of Emmanuel, the incarnation of the Son of God himself. In Jesus, God established his presence once again with his people, and he is with us always to the end of the age. And I tell you, church, rejoice! Rejoice! Emmanuel has come. And with him, the presence of God. Listen, John called Jesus the light of the world. This hymn captures Isaiah 7, 14, Matthew 1, 18 to 25. And this idea of light of the world is captured in the very first verse that we sang. Because this verse speaks of Jesus as the true prophet of the Lord. Read it with me on the screen. O come, O come, true prophet of the Lord, and turn the key to heaven's door. Be thou our comforter and guide, whether we're Ahaz, 
in the war room in Jerusalem in 733 BC trying to figure out how to keep the homeland safe. Or whether it's you sitting in your living room wondering how to keep my home safe. And that literally was the case with a young couple in our church. Or whether it's you sitting at work or in a car considering how to keep our community safe. To those in the police uh, officers and, and those that are keeping our laws. Whatever it might be trying to figure out how to provide for your family. He comes. He's our comforter. He's our guide. Dare we not ever make alliances with the world and with what we think is going to save us, but maybe trust our Father who has sent Emmanuel as our comforter and guide and lead us to the Father's side. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall by his word our darkness dispel. Corey spoke of it. May this word be what dispels the darkness. May this word be, as it were, a giant flashlight that is shining into our world, at times dark. Listen, some of us may have come in this morning with a lack of hope. When you lose hope, it gets dark, doesn't it? I'm telling you, hope has come in Jesus, the prophet of the Lord. Point two, hope has come in Jesus, our great high priest. Verse number two, or the second uh, line of this hymn, O come, O come, Emmanuel, says the following, O come, our great high priest, and intercede. Thy sacrifice, our only plea. The judgment we no longer fear. Thy precious blood has brought us near. See, nothing could bring the presence of God. Nothing could cause us to be able to get close to God again but the blood of Jesus because Jesus took the curse and the punishment we deserve to give us the blessing that we don't deserve. Thy precious blood has brought us near. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel has banished every fear of hell. If you're here this morning and do not know the Lord, then I beg you, if you're here this morning and you're thinking, I'm not sure where I'm going to go. I'm not sure about this Christmas season. I don't mind the good food. I don't mind singing the wonderful hymns. I don't mind going to these shows and publications. I might even come to this uh, December 20th thing. But when I really get down to it, I don't know how close I want to get to God. Oh, friend, Jesus has taken that fear. And if you will repent and believe today, then you can sing, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has banished every fear of hell. And then number three, hope has come in Jesus, the king of the nations. We spoke of this last week. Jesus has come as the king, not just of Israel. He's not just that king prophesied to David in 1000 BC, spoken of by Isaiah in 700 BC, spoken of by all the minor prophets all the way up to Malachi in 400 BC, the king that they waited for in silence for 400 years. But he is not just the king of Israel, born that day in Israel as a Jew, but he's the king of all the world. This is why Christians were killed and martyred in Rome. Not because they said Jesus was a king, but because they said Jesus was the the king. And back then, the only king could be Caesar. And so when they said, Jesus Christ is Lord, period, then they killed him. You could say he's a Lord and Caesar is the Lord, but if you say he is the Lord, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, then you were martyred. Is he your Lord? Is he your king this morning? Oh, friends, Emmanuel, God with us in Jesus Christ as a church to guide us and to help us fulfill our calling as a church. 
there, at times it can feel as a church like the enemies are in the hills. They're in the mountains. I can hear the tanks firing up in the valleys. The, the planes are coming over, metaphorically speaking. I see the helicopters just circling. I feel them sneaking in the backyard, metaphorically speaking. And as a church, we can think, Lord, we're just this little church, and how much can we endure? And Lord, how about the call on our lives? And, and what alliances will we make? And we're like Ahaz, we're sitting in our, in our offices, or we're praying on our knees in the morning, and we're wondering, how in the world are we going to get out of this? And the temptation is to make alliances with others who cannot truly, truly deliver. And God is saying, hope has come, church. Hope has come, Palm Vista. Go out with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and and do crazy things in His name and and come together in groups and small groups and come together in homes and come together to celebrate this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords, for hope has come. He is the great true prophet. He is the great high priest. He is the King of all the nations. Hope has come in the person of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Worship team, please join me in the front. Father, I pray that you would give us grace this morning to believe on Jesus Christ who has come as our true prophet, the prophet of the Lord, who has come as our great high priest and who has come as king of the nations. Lord, I pray if there are some here this morning who have fear, they're wondering how are they going to get out of the mess that they're in. And so many times, Lord, we sit here and think, and I deserve this mess. I made foolish decisions, God. I disobeyed you, God. Lord, in the midst of those thoughts right now, I pray you would come with grace, amazing grace, and say, I am faithful to my promise. I will deliver my people. Trust me. Lord, if there are unbelievers here this morning, Perhaps their eyes are being opened for the first time when they drop to their knees, metaphorically speaking, in their hearts, or physically, if you move upon them in such a manner. And may they confess you as Lord, Jesus. Lord, we do it as a church. We say, you're Lord. We trust in you, Lord Jesus. We do not trust in devices. We do not trust in marketing tools. We do not trust in the latest gimmicks. But we trust Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, the son of God, the king in the line of David to fulfill all prophecies. Our righteousness, our hope. Oh, Lord, if there's those right here that are hopeless, even some who might be considering taking their own lives this Christmas season, we know that this could be a season of great depression for some. Lord, would you arrest them and stop them and turn them and shine the light of Jesus Christ in their hearts and they would run to you and be comforted. Father, for those who are lonely, would you be that one who is closer than a brother? O come, O come, Emmanuel, ransom, ransom your people, restore your people, redeem your people, rule your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.